Welcome to Confidently Uncertain. My name is Erica Lascala, and I'm your host for this podcast, a podcast that discusses all things fashion forecasting. It's incredibly difficult to predict trends years in advance with many factors affecting all stages of the forecasting process. But with all of the uncertainty that comes with trend prediction, you must be able to report it confidently. With all the answers still up in the air, we're going to be talking to industry professionals to get them for you. This is Confidently Uncertain. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Confidently Uncertain. Social media has taken over the lives of many. People are constantly on their phones, and more specifically, they're scrolling through the many different social media platforms on their phones. Fashion on social media has made its way from Tumblr to YouTube to Instagram, and now finally to TikTok. Joining me today is Kat Go, who has worked in social media since 2017 and is currently the social media manager at Girlboss. In this episode, we'll talk about how we think social media is impacting the future of fashion forecasting while discussing the power of the influencer, what direction we can anticipate social media going in the future, and the pros and cons of social media in the fashion industry and the future of fashion. So welcome, Kat. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. I'm really excited to speak with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak with you, too. Yeah, of course. So to kick things off, do you want to give a little bio about yourself? So like who you are, what led you into this career path, your role at your current job right now, and things like that? Yeah, for sure. Um, So yes, I started in social media. Well, I started my my track towards um, social media management in 2017. And at the time, um, I was a PR intern uh, at, at a PR agency. It was around that time that influencer marketing was kind of like on the rise and we were really seeing like the power of the macro social media influencer. So when I say macro, I mean like huge followings, like the million, two million follower uh, macro influencers. And um, I was lucky to be at a PR agency that focused on influencer marketing. Um, So because of that, I kind of like got my feet wet a little bit in social media analytics and social media listening. Um, And it was there that I realized that this was such a huge tool in PR and marketing. And I knew I just I just knew that this is where marketing was headed. Um, So I, I told my manager, like, you know, within like the first two months of my internship, like this is what I want to focus on. Get, put, try to put me on campaigns where I can do more of this. And ever since then, like I just uh, I continued growing. Um, so I was I went um, and became a social media manager, still working in PR and marketing. Moved to doing um, social media specifically in house at a couple consumer facing brands. So that was really cool. Um, I've worked with brands everywhere from like um, from everything between fashion and beauty to consumer packaging, like really fun cereal brands. Um, and more recently cannabis, which was, um, awesome. Cause that's, that's a different beast on its own. Um, and currently I found myself as a social media manager at girl boss, which is a media company. Um, but we focus specifically on the working woman and you know, what success means to the woman in 2022. That's so cool that you have the experience in social media, like marketing, management, all of that in so many different areas that I wouldn't even like, I wouldn't even think to do social media marketing in that stuff, you know, because you have like the people that do like product design, all of that. Sure. But then it's like the social media marketing part of it, which is so cool and so fun, probably. Oh my gosh. So fun. And honestly, like every, 
every company, every industry has its own challenges when it comes to social media. Um, so it's never boring. There's obviously there's things that, you know, there's, there's lines that kind of like are threaded through all of them where, you know, I have experience from working with this brand that I can then take and borrow when I work with this next brand. Um, but like challenges every single, with every single position I've been in, it's changed completely. So yeah, it keeps things exciting. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I feel like that would be a really fun job, honestly, because it's just like something different all the time. Different products always come out. How are you going to make this different than the rest, you know? Exactly. It's like, it's about telling a story, right? So how are you going to take this story that's probably been told a billion times about, I don't know, like a woman's shaving product and make it something new so that people aren't seeing it for the you know billionth time and thinking like, okay, whatever, I, I have no interest in this whatsoever. <laughs> no, exactly. So to start off, I thought this was really interesting, actually. But influencer marketing is on track to becoming a $15 billion business in the next two years. So the power of influencer marketing has changed the way fashion retailers market to consumers. And as the industry grows, it forces those in the front line to keep evolving. So where do you think influencer marketing is right now? And where is it positioned in fashion? Influencer marketing is, is huge. I mean, it's been huge for, for some time now, a couple of years. Um, I think the, the true power that influencers have that brands and companies so desperately want when it comes to social media is that human element. Um, so, you know, these are real people who they've opened up their lives to billions of people all around the world, um, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok. And, you know, strip away like the pretty filters and like, you know, the, the funky angles and everything. At the end of the day, it's still it's still a human. Um, and that's something that companies don't have. They don't have that human face. They don't have that hu- real human voice. And that's what they're craving. That's what they want to attain on social media, because at the heart of it, social media is exactly that. It's meant to be a social tool. It's people talking to people, um, not companies, not necessarily companies talking to people. That wasn't that wasn't what social media was created for. So companies need influencers on social media so that they can kind of tap into those real human conversations. Okay. Yeah. I mentioned this in another episode, but it kind of like ties along. Like people want to see other people and relate to them. They just want to see the relatability with other people who are using these products. That way they can see like, oh, that person's using that product. I can use it too. Exactly. It's a lot easier for me to relate to Erica, the influencer who is wearing ASOS rather than me relating to ASOS, you know, because ASOS is this like, it's this, it's almost like a, a person behind a curtain. There's, it's, it's a brand, right? They don't have a face. They don't have a personality really. So, so yeah, it's a lot easier for me as a consumer to relate to another human being who then is kind of a conduit for that brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do brands adapt to the idea of not having full control over what the influencer is promoting? Cause I know that could probably be kind of difficult. Yes. <laughs> this comes up a lot when, um, you know, when I was working agency side and having to kind of be that almost like that male person in between, um, like the, the male woman in between, um, a brand and an influencer and, and passing information back between the brand and the influencer and back and forth. Um, so brands have 
they've tailored their their look and their feel very intentionally. So when they're handing over the keys to a third party, that can be very scary for them. And a lot of companies, a lot of brands really struggle with that. My advice that I always give to companies who are working with influencers is that you've chosen these people for a reason. They're good at what they do. Um, so let them do what they're great at. Let them let them create that content in the way that they've perfected. And I will say, I also tell them that you know consumers have become increasingly increasingly adept at sniffing out when a company has like stuck its hands too deep in the cookie jar. <laughs> like they can see when a company has like come in and like mangled an influencer's post um, and stuck in you know the usual corporate jargon and you know maybe have like twisted words that um, an influencer might not normally use. Um, so yes, social media users are good at sniffing out that BS. So it's best for companies just not to touch it as much as possible. Yeah, just let the influencer do their thing. Clearly, they know what they're doing. Yes, yeah. They chose them for a reason. Exactly. Just leave them alone. Let them do what they need to do. <laughs> and you know, it comes down to like that first, that first part of it too. Like when... A company is first thinking about, you know, launching an influencer campaign or partnership. They need to be strategic about choosing the influencers they work with um, and smart about choosing influencers that align well with the brand already so that there isn't too much of like a, a mismatch between what the influ- what the content the influencer is going to put out and, you know, the company's values and the message of the campaign. No, absolutely. So you don't want to choose an influencer that, for example, they do all glam photos. They like that's their aesthetic. But you don't want a, a gym clothing company like sportswear, anything like that. They won't choose that person to promote. Yes. And they shouldn't. <laughs> what we were seeing, though, is, you know, before I feel like influencer marketing um, and and companies that are using influencer marketing as a tactic in their um, in their marketing campaigns, they've become smart smarter um, about it. But I will say, like I remember in the early years um, of influencer marketing, something that I, I constantly saw that was a huge mistake was, you know, brands just wanting to pair up with any influencer that had a huge following. So it didn't matter if they like, you know, if their whole feed was glam, all of a sudden, like, it's like, okay, so an influencer has an entire feed that's glam. They've got, let's say 2 million followers, a sportswear company, like you said, decides like, okay, we don't care what this person is all about. We just see that they have a huge following. We're going to throw money at them to create a post about our newest sneaker. Um, and then all of a sudden you'd see on that, on that, on that influencer's feed, like that is usually heels and, you know, office wear and like very chic and, 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 and pretty and, and, um, and primp all of a sudden you see like a, a sneaker post. It, it, it was so like out of the blue and a huge red flag to consumers. Um, so yes, consumers quickly became smart about noticing those inconsistencies. Um, and it's had to force companies to be a little bit more, strategic about who they choose to partner with. Yes, because I know that I'm one of those consumers that I can I can point it out. You, now I watch YouTube videos and the people are like, I genuinely use this product. And I'm like, it's a lie. So yeah, they definitely have to be more strategic with it because you could just tell sometimes that they're getting paid for that and they don't actually use the product. 
Um, so what do you think the younger generations want to see from influencer content? Um, definitely more authenticity. Um, this is a shift that I think was brought about by, um, both Gen Z, Gen Z, um, who, you know, this is a generation who they, they grew up with, you know, uh, millennial parents, probably millennial siblings who like really bought into the like internet star, internet sensation, um, and really like almost like worshipped um, YouTubers and the early influencers like took their word as golden. Um, and this, so this generation has seen that they've become, they become a little bit more jaded to that because they've, they've seen like the BS that their parents and older siblings have bought into. They're smarter about it. So they don't want to see, um, you know, the overly polished Instagram feeds that were huge years ago. Um, so yes, Gen Z has brought about, uh, brought about this change. I think also the pandemic has brought about this change. Um, you know, two years ago when it hit, um, everyone was, you know, in a slump, everyone was really down. Um, and it was almost annoying to continue to see really perfect polished Instagram posts, um, a social media post. Cause it's like, that is not the world that we're living in right now. Um, so that's why we saw such a huge surge um, in TikTok's popularity, because that's a platform where people were like, you know, screw it. We're just going to be ourselves. We're going to be like weird. We're going to dance in our sweatpants. We are going to film um, videos ranting at the camera with no makeup on, no filter on, like whatever it is, what it is. I'm too tired to dress myself up for anything more than this. So yes, so we're seeing a movement towards that kind of content. So I think that, you know, that's where that's where social media is going to go. We're not going to we're not going to be relying on or not going to be looking for um, the perfectly polished um, angles and 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 filters that we used to be so reliant on. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, what you said about everyone not wanting to see perfect, not wanting to see polished anymore. It's like the all white Instagram feed, the bright, bright exposure, saturation, all of that. Now everyone wants to see photo dumps behind the scenes, all natural photos. Exactly. Blurry photos, like not at all edited. (laughs) Yes. Blurry photos. That's where it's at. (laughs) So is there a sense of vulnerability to being too reliant on social media, media platforms and the changes they might make? Um, yes, I, definitely. I think there's something really great about the new algorithms that, that have come about, especially like with TikTok, for example, like the For You page. That algorithm is built specifically for you based on all the videos that you're liking, um, you know, what you're commenting on, what you're saving and sharing with your friends. Um, so that's that's a perfectly tailored feed for for Kat or for Erica. Um, it's beautiful because that means that, you know, we don't have to wade through posts that we don't care about before we find like one in a million that makes us laugh or gives us something that we are, we're looking for in our social media consumption. Um, so that's the beauty of it. The danger of it though, is that because those, because that algorithm tailors things to be completely for you, 
um, I think there's a danger in like in confirmation bias where, you know, you're just seeing everything that aligns with your values, your tastes, um, your opinions. Um, so I think that there is, there is a little bit of danger there, um, in the sense that you're getting a very diluted view of the world around you and the larger picture. Yeah. Like you're not seeing more of what there is out there and it's specifically, they know what you want to see. So they're just showing you that or anything that you've shown interest in, they're showing you that, but they're not showing you the other half of it. Exactly. And that's how, you know, that's how we get into, you know, conversations with our friends where it's like, Hey, did you hear about this? And it's like, there's some huge thing happening in the world. And they're like, what? No. (laughs) And you're like, what have you been living in a rock? No, they probably have just been scrolling through their TikTok feed and it's not something that their algorithm wants to feed them. <laughs> so yeah. Honestly, the best conversations, it's like, oh, are you on this side of TikTok? And everyone's like, yes. no, what side of TikTok are you on? And I'm like, oops, <laughs> like awkward. <laughs> exactly. Um, so in your opinion, who controls social media in the fashion industry, designers and brands or consumers? Because I know it's probably a mix of both. But in your opinion, what do you think? Yeah, it's definitely a mix of both. Um, I think they're experts in their own right, obviously. Like designers and brands are experts because they live and breathe fashion. Like the, they have studied it in school. They they do it day to day for their jobs, right? Um, consumers, on the other hand, are experts in day to day life and how those products actually look, feel and interact with the real world around them. Um, so there's, there's value in, in a back and forth conversation um, between those two parties. Um, in terms of social media, though, we're seeing a shift towards more empowerment on the consumer side of things. And I think that that kind of gives the consumer more leverage when it comes to, you know, this, this battle of brands and companies versus consumers. You know, you're getting like the option to the option to not let apps track your information. Um, There is more transparency when it comes to branded content, even on Instagram. um, If you post a piece of branded content, you get a flag saying like, hey, you need to put a branded partnership tag on this post. Um, So yeah, so, so consumers are a little bit more empowered in that sense that like companies aren't going to be able to feed them information in a low key way anymore. It has to be very upfront. And then the consumers have um, the choice to either reject that message or, or continue or continue seeing it, buying into it. Wow. I didn't even know that it would flag the post if you don't put like it's branded content. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. They were very strict about it in, um, they started being very strict about it in the U S and this came about because of, of, influencer partnerships, um, on social where, you know, um, you'll probably remember like a couple of years ago, let's say like a Kardashian sister would post about a self tanner, for example. Um, and they'd get away with saying that it was branded content by saying like hashtag gifted or hashtag, you know, um, hashtag sponsored or something, right? Like for years, influencers were able to get away with just using those tags and they would bury it in like, 20 other hashtags or like at the end of a really long, you know, caption. Um, so they started in the U S flagging, um, accounts that were doing that. And, you know, it got bad where, where some accounts were getting deleted because they were just not following Instagram's new rules of, of being more upfront about branded or partnership content. Um, and then over the last 
I want to say like one, two years, they've started rolling it out in Canada. So Canadian influencers are having to abide by those rules now too. Oh my gosh. I actually had no idea, but I think that's a really good thing. It's just making everything more transparent to the consumer and to the followers of those influencers. Exactly. Exactly. So what benefits does social media have on those in the fashion industry and how is it evolving and improving? Um, I will say, and this is, and this is one of the reasons why I got into social media to begin with. Um, you have like with social media, you have all the tools that you really need to do a pretty in-depth audience analysis, you know, in marketing, you pay tons of money for something like a focus group. Um, and you know, it takes a lot of time energy on, on the part of like uh, the brand that's, that's hosting that focus group. You don't have to do that when it comes to social media, you literally just need to sit there and peruse different accounts. Social listening is huge. You can see what conversations are, are taking place, what people are saying about other brands, maybe competitor brands, um, products that are similar to yours. Um, and that's great market research. So I think that like, it's such a, it's such a valuable tool to, to fashion brands. Cause then they get to kind of be at the forefront of those conversations that are happening. Okay. Yeah. So they can like see up front kind of also behind the scenes. Yes. What their consumer or their demographic is looking for and all of that. Exactly. And they can get like, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like not immediate feedback, but it's very like, it's very quick feedback to like, you know, you do a product launch and you can scroll through Instagram, Twitter, you know, probably within the first like 24, 48 hours and see like what people are saying about the product launch and the product that you're selling, um, seeing if they like it, if they hate it. So it's really cool that you can get all of that research like in, on your phone, essentially. Yeah. On social media, people are talking about things almost instantaneously. As soon as something comes out, you'll see tweets about it. You'll see Instagram posts about it. You'll see TikToks about it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so what social media platforms have been most effective in the public relations side of things? I think that I think that they've all had their time in the sun uh, in different ways. Like, you know, back in 2017 and and you know before that, I, I but when I first started in the industry, you know, Twitter was huge um, because it was like it was it was huge for like the fact that you could get information out there so quickly. Um, so yeah, like instantaneous communication. Um, gave Twitter its time in the sun when it came to PR. Um, Facebook had its heyday um, where, you know, company pages used to be so popular and it allowed the brand to like interact with their customers right on the brand page and like kind of create like a sense of community um, on their brand pages. And then Instagram still big, you know, I, I, as, as a, you know, 30 year old millennial who, you know, was kind of, one of the first users of Instagram. I'm sad to say it, but I do believe Instagram is slowly on its way out or, you know, the, the Instagram that we're used to is slowly on its way out. Um, but it did have its, it, it still has its legs, um, for PR in the sense that it can, it kind of forced brands to, um, for companies to really think about chic, like sleek branding, um, and presenting their brands, um, in a way that like, consumers could 
could take it and and interact with it very like freely and creatively and and openly. Um, so Instagram was good for that, and now TikTok. Like I think now TikTok is great for PR because it's given companies a chance to really humanize themselves and like join conversations between like real people. Um, and you know, it gives us, it, it's giving, it's giving people a different perspective on brands that, you know, maybe they didn't think about, or they didn't, they weren't really fans of before. Um, one of the best examples that comes to mind is Gucci on TikTok, where, you know, Gucci is this designer brand. Um, when you think designer brands, you think like posh, kind of snooty, kind of, you know, um, very like, very like on a pedestal. Um, and then there was like the, the hashtag, like Gucci model challenge or something on, on TikTok in, in 2020. And it was people like kind of, you know, pretending that they were like, they were Gucci models. Um, and Gucci hopped on it and they started like reposting some of those videos. Um, they started doing like calls to action to like get people to post more videos. And it was like, it was really refreshing to see them, um, poke fun at themselves and humanize themselves in that way. Um, so Gucci won points, I think with a lot of people that maybe they didn't, they didn't have points with before just through, um, participating in that TikTok trend. Yeah, you're so right. Gucci is known as like high up there, high class, all of that. And so the fact that they were actually going along with this TikTok trend, I didn't even know that was a thing. But the fact that they were going along with that TikTok trend is actually kind of cool because you're getting the consumer who was making fun of you to kind of like play along now. And you're getting the brand to play along, which is kind of fun. Exactly. It's a beautiful PR spin. There, I know that there would be companies out there who that might happen to them and they'd be like, Oh God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> like, Sound the fire alarms. Um, and they would like try to push against it. But the fact that Gucci went along with it was like, like chef's kiss. <laughs> Kudos to them. But also TikTok is just such a fun platform. And I feel like most people on it are, they just want to have fun on it. They're not trying to, most people aren't trying to cause any harm. Some might be, but it's, it's just a fun thing. So if a brand can play along with that, I think that's amazing. Of course. Yeah. And it, it, it like, it gains some respect points for sure. <laughs> no, for sure. So in what ways does the fashion industry need to embrace different social media outlets? I think that they need to go, they need to be okay with one leaving behind some social media outlets that aren't serving them or serving their community. You know, one of the biggest pet peeves for me as a social media manager working with brands is like when, is when a company feels like they need to be on every single social media platform. It just, it's not, it's not helping you in any way. If you, if you are targeting an audience that, is not even near Facebook. You don't need to be on Facebook. Put your energy towards a social media channel that actually has your consumer on it. I think companies need to be okay with jumping on the newest social media platform that comes around. Um, you know, when TikTok came about or when TikTok was rising in popularity at the start of the pandemic, there were a lot of companies that were afraid to dip their toes in it because it was scary. It was new. It was like, this messy platform, like, oh God, we got to film videos now. We have to do dances now. What the heck? Like, <laughs> we, we don't have the, the capability to do that. And they really overthought um, the move to TikTok. And now everyone's on it. Now every company and their cousin wants to be on it. And it's a little bit more difficult now to 
to create a presence on that platform because there's so much competition. While the companies that you know, we're early adapters and jumped on it from the get-go, they're thriving. So, so whatever the new platform is that comes around, businesses just need to be like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's, let's get messy. Let's, we're going to make mistakes, but it's okay. We just need to be there. That's a really good point because most brands probably thought at first with TikTok, it was like just an app for kids to dance on. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's mm-hmm. a little bit juvenile, but honestly, TikTok is pretty much for everyone. It has all different types of like categories, all different types of content on it. And it's really an app meant for everyone. Kids can make videos, adults can make videos, people do like photography videos, beauty videos, fashion videos, like everything. So I think it was a little bit underrated at first. I still know people that refuse to get TikTok. There's like, I'm not getting TikTok. (laughs) But I'm just like, don't think you're better than everyone because you're not getting TikTok. (laughs) Get off your high horse and just watch this video that I'm sending you. (laughs) Exactly. But I think honestly, that's a really good point for brands because yeah, like I said, people really underestimated it at first. And now look at what it is. Exactly. So what social media platforms should be abandoned when it comes to promoting fashion trends? Okay, so there's a case use for it, I'm sure. I think Twitter for fashion brands is, it's a weird pairing just because I don't necessarily think of Twitter as a very visual platform. And when I think fashion, I think visual, you know? Um, So, so of the ones of the big ones right now, I would say that's probably the one I would pick on the most (laughs) when it comes to like, you know, abandoning ship. But again, I think it comes down to being really smart about knowing where your audience is. So if it's, if it's a fashion brand where they're targeting, you know, women who are probably like new moms or, you know, seasoned moms, even they might want to be on Facebook. Whereas a fashion brand targeting Gen Z is probably not going to be on Facebook because that's not where Gen Z is. (laughs) So, so yes, I think it's, I think it's just about being selective um, about the platforms that you're on. I agree with getting Twitter out of here with fashion. Honestly, yeah, to me, it doesn't really make sense. To me, Twitter is all your thoughts. You just write your thoughts and all of that. But yeah, like you said, fashion is a very visual thing. And it's more for Instagram, I'd say. But yeah, I think you're right. It's a very visual thing. It has to be on a more visual platform. Yeah, like Twitter has not outfitted their platform to be like, great for image sharing either. Like you share a tweet and and you attach a photo to it and it shows like half the photo. <laughs> like if you're sharing a picture of a very beautiful dress that's been designed by one of the top designers in the world and I'm only seeing the bodice and I'm not seeing the skirt. What's the point? <laughs> exactly. You want to see the whole dress. <laughs> so how has the development of social media platforms changed or improved the promotional side of fashion and trends? Okay, yes. So I think it's allowed brands to move away from like this traditional form of advertising that is very, that is very unattainable to like the average consumer. And it's allowed for brands to promote in a way that, again, is a little bit more human, it's a little bit more relatable. And and that plays well in, in this day and age. You know, like I said, we we're moving towards wanting to consume content that's more authentic. So yeah, so, you know, airbrush magazine ads probably don't have the same effect as they used to 
20, 30 years ago. Um, so yes, I think social media has allowed, has allowed brands to tap into more real, um, or more real form of, of advertising and promotion. Yeah, absolutely. It's like we said at the beginning, it's just people want to relate. People want to kind of see themselves in the ads, if that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then to finish everything off, do you have any ideas for new social media platforms to support fashion forecasting and trend forecasting? Okay. Yes. I don't, I don't have any ideas for like specific apps. I wish I did because then I would be rich, but I would say like, just in terms of, just in terms of like where, where fashion brands and, and any brands that want to forecast trends should be go where Gen Z goes. Um, because this is an audience space that is very outspoken. Um, they're willing to, to say what's on their mind and it's scary, but it's beautiful. (laughs) Um, so I think, I think we need to, we need to listen to what they're saying. Um, and be where they're saying it. Um, this is also an audience base that, you know, they're very, um, they're very uninhibited. This again, just goes back to like this whole piece of authenticity. Um, you don't really have to guess with Gen Z because, or Gen Z, I just keep flipping, flipping back and forth between the American Z and Canadian Z, but um, this generation is very forthcoming about what they like, what they don't like, what their thoughts are. So I think that anywhere that they go, that's where brands who want to stay in the know need to be. So go to whatever social media platform they are on. If somehow by some, you know, miraculous event, all of a sudden Facebook is the cool platform that Gen Z gravitates towards tomorrow, that's where brands need to go. Put all your efforts into Facebook. Or, you know, if some new app comes up next week that Gen Z hops on, that's where brands should be putting their money and their time and effort. Yeah. And even though Gen Z is very outspoken, that's terrifying, but also a really good thing for brands because they'll just take their feedback and then make it even better. They're telling you what they want. Exactly. No coding, no, no, um, you know, reading between the lines. Gen Z is giving you the feedback that you want to hear. Exactly. It's all up front. Take it or leave it. This is what we think. Exactly. So with all of that being said, that completes our episode today. I want to thank you, Kat, for all the information and perspectives that you've given us. But before we go, do you want to tell everyone your social handles, either personal or professional, so they can keep up with everything that's going on? Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram as at Kat Goish. So that's K-A-T-G-O-I-S-H. Honestly, if you are like a marketing student, a PR hopeful, um, social media manager, hopeful, reach out to me. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I can't remember what exactly my LinkedIn name is, but it's probably Cat Go or Katrin, K-A-T-R-Y-N Go on there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I manage Girl Boss. So follow us on Instagram, which is it's just Girl Boss on Instagram. <laughs> Perfect. So that's where you can find her. And then you can also go follow Girl Boss if you'd like. So thank you again for joining us, Kat. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I know it was really fun. And thank you all so much for listening to Confidently Uncertain. Tune in next week where I'll sit down with Paige Peak, the buyer of Holt Renfrew, to discuss the future of buying. 
Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our guests for joining us. You can find Confidently Uncertain on streaming platforms. You can also find us on Instagram at Confidently Uncertain Pod for staying up to date with all of the future fashion trends and inspiration. See you next time on Confidently Uncertain.